And with that resounding thump from drummer Elvin Jones on our theme, we'd like to introduce you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're here, as usual, every Monday night with some of the very best in jazz music. And this evening, our jazz feature is something very special. We have a lot to play for you this evening, but of course we start with the jazz feature right from the get-go. And we're celebrating the birthday of one of the pioneers of jazz music, period. This man uh, contributed so much in his lifetime. And I'm talking about Lionel Leo Hampton. Lionel Hampton. Lionel was a pioneer of the vibraphone. Now, Lionel was an accomplished drummer, um, a pretty good pianist, but the vibraphone was where he made his mark. Now, Lionel wasn't the, uh, the first to play the vibraphone, but he developed a style on that instrument. He discovered it at a recording session. He was there as a drummer, and he looked at this thing, and it sort of had the, the keyboard... Um, set up, um, because the vibraphone is basically a, a, a keyboard, but it's, you know, like the xylophone, you have to hit it with mallets. and uh, But they're all set up like a piano keyboard. So he was familiar with that, and he started fooling with it, and of course the rest is history. And this happened about 1930. Now, uh, as I said, he wasn't the first to ever play the vibraphone, but... Um, he definitely set a style on that instrument, which has influenced every musician since, including uh, people like Milt Jackson, uh, Bobby Hutcherson. Um, any vibes player that you can mention has been influenced by Lionel Hampton. And, of course, um, very interesting man. Um, he was born in Louisville, Kentucky on this day in 1908 and was raised by his grandma, and um, him and uh, they moved to uh, first to uh, Birmingham, then uh, the re- his family moved to uh, Chicago, Illinois, and that's where he began to get interested in music and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he grew up in the big city of Chicago. Lionel Hampton, of course, came to. Real fame, he had been working as a band leader and a musician, but he was, um, and at the time he was based in Los Angeles, and uh, the great king of swing, Benny Goodman, came out to Los Angeles to uh, to play, to do gigs, and um, Benny, of course, had his band, which was a, a major thing, but he also had a small group within the band, and it was a trio made up of uh, pianist Teddy Wilson and drummer Gene Krupa and Benny. And it was very interesting because the trio was one of the first integrated jazz groups. Teddy Wilson was an African-American. And Benny, of course, was a, um, a pioneer at, uh, at this. Uh, he was generally playing to all white audiences in 1935 and 1936 in big ballrooms throughout the United States. And they were all segregated, of course, and the nightclubs were also, too. I mean, they had black people working in clubs, but they were the help, um, that sort of thing. And so to appear on the bandstand with a, um, 
African-American musician was something uh, pretty big in those days. And Benny, Benny took a lot of flack for it, but he didn't care because he hired the people on the basis of their musicianship. So long story short, he heard Lionel Hampton was incredibly impressed and joined Lionel in an after-hours jam session and uh, was so impressed with Lionel uh, and his musical ability on the vibes that he hired him and said, uh, "Would you? I'd like to expand my trio into a quartet, have vibes, piano, drums, myself. And Lionel said, sure. And that was Lionel's real boost to, uh, to fame. And not long after that, Lionel um, got something that most African-American musicians could only dream of. It was an exclusive recording contract with RCA Victor Records. And um, Lionel had carte blanche. He could pick any group of musicians he want uh, and make recordings. And, of course, Lionel's small group recordings from the 30s are some of the very, very best of small group jazz. After all those years, in about 1941, Lionel was still associated with Benny Goodman, but he left Goodman on very amicable terms and formed his own band. And after that, Lionel never looked back. He was a star in his own right. And, of course, his band was um, wonderful. They played a whole variety of music. They, they were, um, Lionel traveled with um, not only the band, but with entertainers, with dancers, jugglers, and everything. If you went to hear Lionel Hampton's band, it was a huge show. And, of course, Lionel did everything. He, he played the vibes, he played the drums, he played two-finger piano, this sort of thing. And the band played a whole range of music. Lionel was really one of the early pioneers of R&B, uh, which became, of course, rock and roll, because Lionel um, amalgamated stuff like that. And, of course, he played very serious jazz, too, but he also he could do uh, novelty tunes, vocals, all that kind of stuff. So he, he was an all-around entertainer. Which brings us to our jazz feature this evening. In the early 50s, Lionel, of course, was a huge star, the band, his uh, entertainment abilities, everything else. Norman Grants approached Lionel Hampton and offered him a recording contract. And Lionel, of course, uh, was very lucrative, and, and Lionel said, sure. And Norman Grants said, I am not interested in, in your entertainment thing. I'm not interested in your singing. I'm not interested in your big band. And, of course, Lionel was like, well, what the hell are you interested in? Norman said, I am interested in your vibes work and your artistry. This is what I want to record. And Lionel said, okay. He said, I feel that that's been ignored for the last few years, and you're one of the greatest exponents on that instrument, and I want to uh, record you doing just that. And Lionel said, fine. And this is how these recordings came about. So Norman Grants, being a very, very intelligent um, producer, uh, suggested to Lionel that he record with some of the greatest jazz musicians in the world who were working at the time for Norman Grants. And he said, I'd like to uh, put together 
uh, a band for you, and I'm sure you would enjoy playing with these guys and recording. The people that I suggest are pianist Oscar Peterson. He was, of course, uh, by 1953, Oscar Peterson was a huge jazz star. Ray Brown, one of the greatest of all bass players, and drummer Buddy Rich. All these men had established themselves as um, perhaps uh, some of the finest exponents on their instruments. And Lionel was only too happy to record with these guys. The interesting thing is that Lionel had played with Ray Brown. He had played with Buddy Rich, but not together. And he'd never played with Oscar Peterson. He knew Oscar, of course, but had never made music with him. So all of a sudden, on September 2nd, 1953, in New York City, Lionel is in the studio with these guys, has no idea what they're going to play, and uh, <laughs> there, there they are. Uh, the tapes are running. The clock is running. What the hell are we going to play? So what they did, of course, was put together this, uh, this group of tunes. Uh, most of them are familiar standards. Um, tunes by Irving Berlin, the Gershwins, um, an original by um, a couple of originals. But the music is so superb. Um, this this is really a, a group of great musicians, and it really does fulfill Norman Grant's desire to bring out the artistic side of Lionel Hampton and present that to the world. And, of course, that's exactly what these recordings did. Lionel had a long career uh, with Norman Grant. He recorded a lot of great stuff. Um, they parted ways later on in the 50s, but uh, so many fine recordings were made, and these are the first. So, we're going to begin with the um, four gentlemen playing uh, a tune by Irving Berlin called Always. I'll be loving you always. Uh, a lot of fun has been made out of that title, I'll tell you. But anyway, it's a, it's a great tune, nice melody. The second tune is very familiar, I think, to a lot of people. It was written by George and Ira Gershwin. It's called It's Wonderful. And the third tune is really, the band is really warmed up by the third tune, and they get into a tune which um, Lionel was a co-composer of, or um, along with Benny Goodman and Charlie Christian. The tune is called The Airmail Special. And uh, after that, they get into a beautiful Hoagie Carmichael tune called The Nearness of You. And then a great tune by Fletcher Henderson who uh, wrote arrangements for the Goodman Band and compositions as well. Uh, and it's a tune called Soft Winds. And then we get into uh, the final tune of this particular session. It's a great tune in D-flat, written by Edgar Sampson and Benny Goodman and Chick Webb, and it's called Stompin' at the Savoy. So here then, six incredible pieces of music by four gentlemen who had actually never played together before, and that brings out the, the best in everyone. So I hope you can sit back and enjoy tonight's jazz feature. Once again, Lionel Hampton on vibes, the great Oscar Peterson on piano, Ray Brown on bass, and Buddy Rich on drums. Happy birthday, Lionel. You're still wailing wherever you are, I'm sure, with uh, Benny and everybody. All right, here we go. 
beginning with Irving Berlin's Always.
<laughs> you gotta love the ending of that where they uh, <laughs> they go through a bunch of keys and uh, uh, try and uh, uh, Hampton wants to end it and uh, Peterson changes keys all the time so they have a little game that they play and uh, end the session that way. That was it. That was the first encounter, as I mentioned before in the preamble, that these guys had never played together before. And Lionel Hampton had just signed a contract with the great impresario and, and uh, owned, of course, various record labels, Norman Grants. And Norman said, I'm told, Hamp, I'm not interested in your band. I'm not interested in your entertainment uh, side of you, uh, your vocals, your drums, nothing like that. I just want to hear you play the vibes and play with some of the best musicians in the world. And that's what I'm going to do for you. And Hampton said, yeah, all right, you know, I'm, I'm ready. And, of course... Interestingly enough, um, Norman Grant's placed Lionel Hampton with some of the best musicians in the world. This session was the first of many, but uh, down the road, uh, Lionel Hampton and Buddy Rich uh, did a session with uh, probably one of the greatest piano players in the world, Art Tatum. And uh, those albums uh, are absolute classics, unbelievable playing by everybody. Because uh, a lot of people were intimidated by Art Tatum. Lionel Hampton wasn't. He had the chops, technique, and the musical ear. Um, just incredible. Uh, so, um, and of course, uh, there's a great album, which will feature sometime down the road, Lionel Hampton and Stan Getz together. It was done in 1955, and Lionel happened to be in Los Angeles uh, Stan was living in, in L.A. at the time permanently, or, well, at least permanently for a while before he moved back to uh, the East Coast, um, but he was living there, and uh, Hampton was there to film uh, the famous movie, uh, The Benny Goodman Story, and Norman Grant's got the idea of putting Lionel Hampton together with Stan Getz, and it worked. It's a, it's a classic album, and uh, we'll have to do that sometime. It's a great album, and uh, they have a lot of fun together and play off one another. And they had never played together before, so, you know, Hampton was just that sort of a genius. So we're celebrating, and we did celebrate his birthday today. He was born, as I mentioned before, Louisville, Kentucky, this day, April 20th in 1908, and lived to the ripe old age of 94. He was playing right up to the end, uh, even though he had, had suffered a, a few strokes and all that kind of stuff, uh, he was there. And of course, he started a great uh, jazz festival in Denver, Colorado, which still goes on to this day. And of course, Hampton sponsored many things. Um, he um, put his money um, into uh, buildings in New York um, uh, to uh, for um, people that were uh, under the under the radar economically, this kind of thing. Uh, in other words, subsidized housing and um, all kinds of stuff donated to charities and so on. He was a devout Republican. Yes, he was when the Republican Party was a decent party. And uh, he was also a very devout Catholic as well. And so he gave both to, uh, to, to the political party and also uh, to the Catholic Church as well. And uh, they provided, uh, well, they do a lot of work, charity work and all that kind of stuff. And so Hampton was, uh, was quite a guy. Anyway, um, music, that's the most important thing. And this album was the first get-together um, between uh, 
Lionel Hampton, Oscar Peterson, Ray Brown, and Buddy Rich. All recorded uh, during the afternoon and evening of September 2nd, 1953 in New York City. We heard six tunes, and we began with uh, Irving Berlin's Always. And then we moved to uh, the George and Ira Gershwin composition called Swonderful. Then uh, a jazz original written by Benny Goodman and Charlie Christian. Hampton had a hand in this as well. Uh, it's a great tune called the Airmail Special. And, of course, by that time they were all completely warmed up. And they just cooked on that tune. Then we slowed things down with a beautiful ballad uh, by Hoagie Carmichael called The Nearness of You. And then, uh, as a matter of fact, The Nearness of You was one of my mother's favorite songs um, by Hoagie Carmichael. She loved that, uh, the melody of that tune. So that's what we heard. Uh, after The Nearness of You, we heard uh, the great Fletcher Henderson uh, tune called Soft Winds. And we ended up with, of course, the Benny Goodman, Edgar Sampson, Chick Webb tune, a classic, Stompin' at the Savoy. So that's our jazz feature this evening, and we certainly hope you enjoyed it. The ebullient personality of Lionel Hampton, and uh, very, very happy birthday to Hamp, wherever you are. And I'm sure you're, uh, you're playing the vibes, you're singing, you're playing the drums, playing two-fingered piano, and just uh, making music with uh, all those folks that you once made great music with. Lionel Hampton, our jazz feature artist tonight, celebrating his birthday. All right, you are listening to CITR 101.9 on unceded Musqueam territory, right out here at UBC. We're also on the web, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show. We have... uh, a little bit coming up here to tell you. And we'll be right back with some classic Duke Ellington. Today was probably the nicest day of the year, I would think. It's just, uh, it was like summer. It was beautiful out there. Unfortunately, it wasn't on the weekend. <laughs> so a lot of people had to uh, you know, slave away at work and do what they had to do. But uh, it was just a gorgeous day. And I hope you uh, managed to experience some of it, get a little sunshine, all this kind of stuff. We have uh, some weather to tell you about. It's going to be, unfortunately, today is is really great, but uh, it promises to be a bit of an unsettled week in terms of the weather. So uh, tonight is a few clouds with a low of 9, quite comfortable. Tomorrow will be a mix of sun and cloud. Then it's going to actually cloud over and 
we have a 60% chance of a shower later in the day. It's going to get windy as well with a low of 9 and a high of 16. The outlook for Wednesday doesn't look too bad. It's a mix of sun and cloud uh, with a low of 6 and a high of 15. Thursday and Friday, um, Thursday is cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower with a low of 6, high of 12. And Friday a little less, 30% chance of a shower um, and cloudy with a low of 6 and a high of 13. And then Saturday and Sunday is cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower. Both days, lows between 7 and 8 and highs between 15 and 16. So there you go. All right. We're going to take you back to what many people, Duke Ellington, of course, had such a long history in jazz music, beginning in the 1920s, um, but his band from the early 40s, um, many people consider this to be his finest band. I won't make those kind of judgments because one's ear... uh, Duke Ellington had so many great editions of his band over the years, and I, um, who am I to judge and say, well, this is the greatest uh, uh, version of Ellington's band, blah, blah, blah. Uh, some people will let other people make those kind of judgments, but this band was considered very, very special. And this was the band, as I said, was uh, um, reached a certain maturity in 1940 and 41. So we're going to hear some selections from here. And the band's personnel was basically stable uh, at this time. And uh, we hear such people in the, in the trumpet section, Wallace Jones on lead trumpet, Cootie Williams uh, on solo trumpet, and Rex Stewart, who I loved. I loved Rex Stewart's playing on cornet. Uh, the trombones, Tricky Sam Nanton, one of the baddest trombone players you could ever hear. And I mean bad in the good sense, in the jazz sense of the word. <laughs> when, you, when you say somebody's bad, that means they're real good. So there you go. Uh, Tricky Sam Nanton and the deacon, Lawrence Brown, on trombone and on valve trombone, Juan Tizal. And the reed section. Barney Bigard, one of the great clarinet players, also played tenor saxophone. Johnny Hodges, of course, um, on alto saxophone, soprano saxophone, and clarinet, but mostly on alto saxophone. And on second alto, Toby Hardwick, Otto Hardwick on um, uh, alto saxophone and bass saxophone. One of the great soloists in this band was none other than the frog, Ben Webster, one of the greatest of all tenor saxophonists. Harry Carney held up everything with his beautiful, big-sounding baritone saxophone. The piano chores were shared by Duke Ellington and his alter ego, Billy Strayhorn. We heard Freddie Guy on guitar. Jimmy Blanton was one of those young musicians who really was the beginner of the modern concept of the bass. Jimmy Blanton was an influence on Oscar Pettiford, Charles Mingus, and Ray Brown. The bass came out of the background rather than just somebody thumping away in the background and came to the forefront. And Jimmy Blanton's work you'll hear on uh, these recordings. 
And Mr. Empire State himself, big, tall fella, skinny, Sonny Greer on drums. And he could swing this band in a most incredible way. So there we go. Uh, that's the basic personnel. We're going to hear some tunes on here. Um, my favorite is the first one we're going to hear, and it's a composition, no solos on this one, but you hear Jimmy Blanton's bass driving this piece of music. This is an incredible piece of music, and um, as I said, there are no solos. Everything's, everything's written out on this, on this selection. It's called Coco. And uh, then the next tune we're going to hear is a piece of music by Duke Ellington called Jack the Bear, dedicated to uh, um, a dancer. Then we're going to hear a tune called Concerto for Cootie, of course, featuring the great Cootie Williams on trumpet. Then I think one of the prize pieces of this band, I once actually said this was the greatest piece of jazz ever made. Now, I, I would not say this now, but I said this to somebody to make a point. And uh, when you hear this, you will hear, and I'm sure you've heard it before, it's The Great Cottontail, written by Duke Ellington, and of course featuring that incredible tenor saxophone solo by Ben Webster, but there's other soloists on there too, so look out for Cottontail. And um, then um, a piece of music, a ballad, featuring Ben Webster, a beautiful uh, ballad called All Too Soon. And we're going to end with a very famous tune that I'm sure everyone knows was written by Ellington's alter ego. We're going to hear the original recorded version of Take the A-Train. So that's going to end the set. So a whole bunch of things from this 1940-41 edition of the Duke Ellington Orchestra. And we begin with Coco. Thank you. 
We heard some classic Duke Ellington pieces from his incredible band that uh, he had in 1940. And uh, it was a peak year for um, Duke Ellington uh, with a rather stable personnel in the band. Um, the war hadn't... Uh, uh, cut into uh, um, the personnel yet, the draft, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the um, just the sound of the band and the people involved, especially the young bassist, Jimmy Blanton. Jimmy Blanton really was the beginning of the modern concept of the bass. And Jimmy Blanton, like Charlie Christian, uh, didn't live very long. He was only about 22 when he, uh, when he passed away. Um, he was a victim of, uh, of uh, tuberculosis, and uh, Charlie Christian suffered uh, from the same uh, illness. And uh, traveling on the road and, you know, not taking care of your health and that sort of thing, um, it was pretty uh, rampant in those days and uh, um, came under control a little while later. But regardless, um, Jimmy Blanton was not uh, in this world for too long, but he certainly made a contribution and was the really the um, inspirer of uh, the modern concept of the bass in jazz. And uh, Jimmy Blanton really is the father of, uh, the stylistic father of Charles Mingus and Oscar Pettiford and Ray Brown and all the great bass players to follow. And uh, one of those individuals, and of course he was a discovery of Duke Ellington's. So, we uh, heard all of these pieces, beginning with uh, one of my favorite, uh, the the kind of mysterious uh, minor key uh, thing with no solos at all, but uh, what a great piece of music, orchestral uh, piece of music. We opened with Coco. Then uh, tune number two was another Ellington composition that uh, featured even more of Jimmy Blanton's bass playing. It's a tune called Jack the Bear and featured a nice clarinet solo by Barney Bigard from New Orleans. Then we heard uh, a tune, um, which is the original title was Concerto for Cootie. And uh, it became, with with, uh, Ellington added words uh, to the tune, and it became uh, a tune called Do Nothing Till You Hear From Me. and uh, But the original concept of it was uh, an instrumental, and it was dedicated to his great trumpeter, Cootie Williams, and played by Cootie, of course. Then we heard the amazing Cottontail. Um, what a piece of music that is. And as I said, I once said in a little bit of exaggeration to make a point that this was the greatest piece of jazz music ever made. And if nothing else was made, you had this one. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that now, but I did uh, back then when I was a little younger and a little more daring. And I uh, was having an argument with somebody, and I said, listen to Cottontail. That's all you need. That's, that's it. That covers everything. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's an incredible piece of music. Cottontail, written by Duke Ellington and featuring that amazing tenor saxophone solo by Mighty Ben Webster. Then we heard... Um, Following that, a pretty ballad uh, called All Too Soon, uh, which featured some nice lead trumpet work by Cootie Williams and uh, uh, another beautiful, uh, very different tenor saxophone solo by Ben Webster. And uh, we ended with, of course, the classic Take the A Train. 
And uh, Jimmy Blanton was still playing bass on this piece of music, but uh, the trumpet soloist on here was Ray Nance, and he had just taken Cootie Williams' place in the band. And that Take the A-Train was not written by Duke Ellington, but written by his alter ego, Billy Strayhorn. So, a whole bunch of classic Ellington pieces, and I hope you uh, enjoyed them. We're going to move now, uh, after a couple of brief messages, with um, a one-time edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And I'll tell you about it in a minute, after we hear this. Oh, and just to remind you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 on unceded Musqueam territory right out here at UBC uh, or on the web, www.citr.ca. This is The Jazz Show, a regular feature on CITR every Monday night with me, Gavin Walker, and we'll be right back with Art Blakey and this special edition of The Jazz Messengers. Snail Productions presents Inherent Vices with guests Ace Martins, Poor Baby, and Mary. Saturday, April 25th at the Railway Club. $10 cover, doors at 8.30. Whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the Main Street area at... Anti-Social Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, RX Comics, Red Cat Records, the Regional Assembly of Text, the Wallflower Modern Diner, and Woo Vintage Clothing. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. All right. One of my favorite editions of the Jazz Messengers. Art Blakey was actually one of the most underrated uh, editions of the Messengers. And the basic personnel, um, Art Blakey on drums, he, he had uh, disbanded his original band, of course, which got all kinds of critical praise. But when he formed this band, uh, the critics kind of took a vacation. Um, and they kind of they gave this band a little bit of a short shrift, as they say. And uh, it's too bad because this band cooked. Sure, they were rough around the edges and so on, but they were <laughs> they were jazz, man. And uh, um, the people involved here: uh, Art Blakey, of course, on drums; uh, Bill Hardman, uh, who had just moved to New York from Cleveland, Ohio, wonderful trumpet player, played lots of notes, and a very exciting player, and one of my all-time favorite alto saxophonists because. He was a huge influence on me from this period. Um, he, he, his style changed, of course, and altered in the 60s, but it was this period that introduced me to Jackie McLean, and to me, he was the personification. This is what an alto saxophone should sound like, and he's on here. But there's another saxophone player on here by the name of Johnny Griffin. Now, Johnny Griffin took... Um, Jackie McLean's place in this band, but they did this one recording session where they all played together, so it was a sextet rather than a quintet. On piano was the very underrated Sam Dockery on piano, and on bass was the wonderful James Spanky, 
was his nickname, DeBrest on bass. And he was a buddy of Lee Morgan's. He was a young man. He was from, um, he was from Philadelphia and uh, a very, very fine, underrated bass player, very strong. Because to play with Art Blakey, you had to play very, very strong. You really had to know your bass. And uh, Spanky DeBrest did. Anyway, this band, so this unique version of the band with the two saxophones, with Jackie McLean and Johnny Griffin. This is the only recording they made. And um, it was done for um, a subsidiary of RCA Victor Records called Vic Records. We're going to hear a couple of tracks from this. Uh, We're going to hear two tunes. We're going to open with a specialty of the band, which, of course, is is their version of, with all the guys playing percussion instruments and so on, some great solos on this. Dizzy Gillespie's most famous composition, A Night in Tunisia. Then we're going to follow that with um, a composition actually written, I believe. uh, I don't know who gets composer credit on this one. Um, But, uh, yeah, the composer credit is Jackie McLean and Art Blakey. And the tune is called Couldn't It Be You. Interestingly enough, a few years later, Jackie McQueen re- recorded this tune and, and dedicated it to Fidel Castro and called it Fidel. Anyway, so this is an earlier version with the original title, Couldn't It Be You? So we're going to hear those two tunes from this album, which was recorded April 8th, 1957, in New York City. This special edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Once again, Art Blakey on drums. Bill Hardman on trumpet. Jackie McQueen on alto saxophone, Johnny Griffin on tenor, Sam Dockery on piano, and Spanky DeBrest on bass. And here we go with A Night in Tunisia. Thank you. 
Two lengthy pieces by this uh, very special edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers with, of course, the great Art Blakey on drums. On piano, Sam Dockery, on underrated piano player. And on bass, Spanky DeBrest. And on the front line, three horns. Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone, Jackie McLean on alto saxophone, and Bill Hardman on trumpet. And um, it was kind of interesting because Jackie had been the, um, usually Blakey uh, at this time, it was always a quintet. And um, Johnny Griffin was coming into the band to replace Jackie McLean. This record date came up and Blakey got the idea that he'd record with uh, a sextet. And I don't know whether this... Uh, band actually played any live uh, dates or not, but they were able to get together on this recording session with the two horns, um, actually the three horns, but uh, the two saxophone uh, players, Jackie McLean and Johnny Griffin, two of my all-time favorites. Anyway, this was recorded April 8th in New York City, 1957, recorded for um, a subsidiary of RCA Victor Records called Vic Records. We heard two tunes. We heard the title track, A Night in Tunisia, written by Dizzy Gillespie, and then a piece of music that was later retitled by Jackie McLean called Couldn't It Be You? This was the original title. Later on, he recorded the same piece and called it Fidel. But several years later, after um, 
Well, you know who came into power in Cuba, right? <laughs> okay, there you go. All right. To I love this uh, version of the Jazz Messengers too. Like um uh, I had a long talks with Johnny Griffin. We were pretty good friends over the years and Griffin said, you know, the band was really rough and ready, but he said it was one of the greatest bands I ever played in. And he said, you know, Jackie McLean would say the same thing. And when I did talk to Jackie, he said uh, that was his greatest uh, experience um, as a sideman playing with Art Blakey. And Jackie, of course, had played with all kinds of people, but he said the most fun he had was with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. So there you go. Anyway, hope you enjoyed those two pieces. And you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 on unceded Musqueam territory or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker. This is The Jazz Show. And a couple of announcements, and we'll be right back. Ooh, lousy smarts weather. This issue of Discorder, there's no more Discorder. Discorder is over. Vancouver housing crisis. No more Discorder. Ever. There's no more Discorder. Ever. There's no more Discorder. Ever. There's no more Discorder. Discorder. Ever. Spring is here. This April, pick up an issue of Discorder from a local venue or record store for articles on Sumac, Snit, Saradavachi, Record Store Day, and more. Special thanks to this month's advertisers, Levitation Fest, Rickshaw Theater, Light Organ Records, Beat Merchant, Red Cat Records, Neptune Records, Horses Records, Audio Pile Records, Dandelion Emporium, High Life Records, Vinyl Records, Live Van, and AMS Events. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. Right. Just like to mention a couple of uh, websites, which I usually do around this time. Uh, one of them is very important because uh, this is a website where you can purchase tickets and uh, find out who's playing and doing what, when, and where at this year's Jazz Festival, and also preceding events that are happening before the Jazz Festival. And don't forget, this year is their 30th anniversary. So it's going to be bigger, better, and uh, with a broader musical base as well. Uh, The festival has been extended by a couple of days. There's some great artists coming to Vancouver for the Jazz Festival. And uh, one of the ways to find out about that is to get onto the website of the producers of the Jazz Festival, the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. Yes, so get onto their website. You can see um, the schedule, all kinds of information on there. And, of course, you can purchase tickets, which is very important because we need bums in the seats. And uh, that is um, essential. And you can find out, pick your artists, pick your shows, and uh, go do it. 
And that's coastaljazz.ca, coastaljazz.ca for the jazz festival. Of course, um, as we all know now, there's so many, um, somebody mentioned this the other night to me, um, where do you hear jazz in Vancouver? Well, there's all kinds of places, but it's not, I used to just tell people, well, go to the cellar, <laughs> you know, but we don't have the cellar anymore. We have various venues presenting jazz on different nights of the week. And the only way to keep up with that is really is to um, get onto your computer and get onto a good website. And one of the best websites is vancouverjazz.com and that's a website put together by my old friend Brian Nation and he does a very very good job there's all sorts of interesting links on that site and also you can find out who's playing what when and where and what time where they are blah 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 all that sort of stuff is all up there on the on the website so do check it out that's vancouverjazz.com and one more brief men, uh, mention um, a good friend of mine, Ken Speller, very fine musician. He's a teacher as well of uh, uh, saxophone, clarinet, flute, um, etc. And he's also a repairman. And uh, you need to uh, keep those instruments in good shape, clarinets, saxophones, and so on, because they've got a lot of moving parts, and uh, things go awry on those instruments. And sometimes... It's best if you don't, if you feel that you're not sounding as good as you think you are, it could be the instrument, not you. And very often, uh, a good repairman can check over, check for leaks and loose pads and all that kind of stuff. Fix it up, and uh, all of a sudden, you're sounding way better than you thought you did. And uh, <laughs> that, that's always nice. And this can happen to professionals, students, amateurs, whatever. And Ken Speller is, is uh, a very, very fine repairman. And he works from his home. So that means he keeps his costs down for you. And uh, he knows that musicians and, and, and artistic people don't have a hell of a lot of money. Cost a lot to live in Vancouver these days. And money isn't, uh, money's tight. And uh, so he knows about that as well. And so he's, um, his prices are very reasonable because he doesn't have the overhead to, to pay um, if he had worked out of a store. So there you go. Anyway, Ken lives in the 13th and Lonsdale area of North Vancouver, and he has a phone, uh, 778-800-1933. That's 778-800-1933. And you can also get him on email. It's K Speller, K S P E L L E R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. K Speller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. He's a good man to know. Check him out. And uh, there you have it. All right. Somebody who is coming to the festival is Abdullah Ibrahim, the great South African guru of the piano. And of course, um, he is, uh, he is in his 80s now, and he's going to be performing at this year's Jazz Festival with a very special group. But I'm going to take you back to when he was known as Dollar Brand. Um, he, he, changed, uh, he became a devout Muslim in the uh, uh, late 60s and changed his name to Abdullah Ibrahim. But he was known previous 
Lee um, by the name of Dollar Brand. Actually, his name is um, real name is Johannes uh, Brand, um, but he Dollar was his nickname, and so he used that. And this is an album called Duke Ellington Presents the Dollar Brand Trio, and it was really the first album that North America got um, a chance to to hear this young man. It was recorded uh, in Paris in February of 1963, and no, very, very few people knew of the talents of Dollar Brandt in those days. He, yes, he had recorded on South African labels and so on, but you couldn't get those records in North America. So this was the first um, North American release of his music, and Duke Ellington produced the record for the Reprise label, which was owned by Frank Sinatra. There you go. Very interesting, huh? So, Dollar Brand on piano with uh, his uh, trio made up of South African musicians, Johnny Gertze on bass, and Mikhail Nechoko on drums. Very, very fine drummer. We're going to hear two tunes from here. Uh, we're going to hear Dollar's Dance, which is the opening track of the album. And that's, of course, a Dollar Brand composition. And the second tune was written by Thelonious Monk, and it's a famous piece of music, difficult and fun to play, I imagine, called Brilliant Corners. So here then, from the initial North American-issued recording by Dollar Brand, this is Dollar Brand.
Two pieces of music by Dollar Brand, who he was then known as, who became Abdullah Ibrahim a little later on. But this is from an album called Duke Ellington Presents the Dollar Brand Trio, and it was his first um, album issued in North America. And this is how most people became familiar with South African Dollar Brand. And we heard... Um, dollar with uh, Johnny Gertze on bass and Makaya Nachoko on drums. And this was all recorded in Paris in February 1963, produced by Duke Ellington. And we heard uh, Dollar Brand's composition called Dollar's Dance. And the second tune was the very difficult and challenging Thelonious Monk composition called Brilliant Corners. Wonderful album, and of course, Dollar Brand, or Abdullah Ibrahim, his, his, uh, his name now, uh, will be coming to this year's Vancouver International Jazz Festival with a very special trio. So um, that's a show not to be missed. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR on unceded Musqueam territory right out here at UBC, 101.9. 
or on the web, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. We'll be right back with um, yet another Vibes player. Hmm. We, our jazz feature was Lionel Hampton, but this gentleman is very, very different in style and one of my all-time favorites as well. We'll hear some music by the great late Walt Dickerson from his initial album in a moment. But listen to these messages. Are you not sure where to go on campus? Traveling late at night and afraid to go alone? Call SafeWalk, a free service where a co-ed team will take you anywhere you need to go on campus. Don't walk alone. For a walk, add SafeWalk to your phone. Call 604 822 5355. That's 604 822 5355. Alternatively, use a UBC Blue phone and ask for SafeWalk. Approach any SafeWalk team or drop by our office on the main floor of the sub across from the gallery lounge. The province of Alberta, <clears throat> excuse me, the province of Alberta itself already has a, it's one of the few Alberta regulatory environments in the country. It has Alberta. What is an exception? What I said was actually what I've been saying for some time. Alberta and what is crazy would be for us to impose costs only on our Alberta. So look, that's what Alberta has done. The Fire Hall Arts Centre takes on Stephen Harper with Proud. A political satire that will have you rolling in the aisles. Don't miss this sexy, cheeky, and surprising play about what really happens in the back rooms of Canadian politics. On from April 7th to 25th, see firehallartcenter.ca for details. Walt Dickerson is a gentleman that should be better known by most jazz fans, a great vibes player, and uh, recorded prolifically for Prestige Records initially, and then went on to record for different labels, and then he stopped recording for many years, but um, an amazing musician from Philadelphia. He was born in 1931, had a birthday, or at least a birthday celebration just recently, passed away a few years ago. But he was a virtuoso of the vibraphone. I've always loved his playing. And this album uh, remains a favorite with me. I remember buying this album sight unseen. Never heard of the guy before. I was just kind of curious about it. And um, I bought it, took it home, and played it to death. Uh, Really did. And uh, it's a great recording. And uh, um, he really is a pioneer of the, of the vibes. Walt Dickerson uh, has his own style. Really was not influenced by Milt Jackson or um, even Lionel Hampton. He just uh, came out of nowhere with his own style on vibes and uh, also was a very fine writer as well. And um, this initial album, which came out on uh, the Prestige New Jazz series, uh, is one of the finest and most complete recording debuts that I've ever heard. And this is his band. These are all Philadelphia-based musicians. Austin Crow on piano, Bob Lewis on bass, and uh, a young drummer. This was his very first album that he ever made, very first time in a recording studio, went on to become one of the great legends of the drums, Andrew Cyril. So... 
This is his uh, very first recording, and he was a member of Walt Dickerson's quartet. We're going to hear two tunes, and this kind of celebrates the end of uh, this month (laughs) with something that is inevitable. If you haven't done it already, you better do it, especially if you owe money. (laughs) Tax time. And uh, this is the tune that really attracted me to this album. The tune is called Death and Taxes, written by Walt Dickerson. And we're going to follow that with uh, another composition by him called simply Time. So here then is the vibes mastery of Walt Dickerson. Death and Taxes.
couple of pieces of music by the great late Walt Dickerson on Vibes. This is from his debut album called This Is Walt Dickerson, and it was recorded in March of 1961 for uh, Prestige New Jazz Records. And we heard two tunes, both uh, Dickerson compositions. The first one is uh, dedicated to the two inevitable things in life, death and taxes. And uh, that's what the first tune was called. The second tune was entitled simply Time. Walt Dickerson on vibraphone with Austin Crowe on piano, Bob Lewis on bass, and a young up-and-coming drummer. This was his first time in the recording studio who became a drummer that became a legend, Andrew Cyril. Yes, Walt Dickerson, one of the finest uh, recording and most mature uh, recording debuts in the history of uh, jazz music. And I've loved this album for years, so I hope you uh, enjoyed those two tunes. We're going to turn now to one of the great voices of the alto saxophone, a legend, a true legend, uh, who led, uh, well, shall we say, a very colorful life. Um, it's one of the great biographies in jazz. Is a book called Straight Life, and it was written by Art Pepper and his partner, Lori Pepper, his, his wife. And it's really... Um, a confession of all the things that he did in his life, including all the time he spent in jail and uh, all kinds of things, his uh, dealings with drugs and all that sort of stuff. But what a great saxophone player, alto saxophone player, Art Pepper, one of the most personal voices on that instrument. This is quite an amazing recording because it features um, Duke Jordan on piano, who was not a regular pianist with uh, Art Pepper. But uh, this was recorded in Denmark, and Duke was uh, spending some time there, and it was decided that uh, uh, they had a mutual admiration society, uh, musically, that is, and uh, to record together. Now, Art's regular bass player is the great uh, Trinidadian bassist, David Williams, and his favorite drummer of the time, Carl Burnett. And, of course, uh, so both of these people are here along with Duke Jordan on piano and Art Pepper on alto saxophone. This is dedicated to the club where this was recorded, the famous Café Montmartre in Copenhagen, recorded July 3rd, 1981. And this is called Blues Montmartre, Art Pepper.
That was the great Art Pepper. Yes, sounding uh, marvelous. About a year before his uh, his untimely passing. This was recorded at the um, Café Montmartre in Copenhagen, one of the finest uh, jazz clubs in the world, and uh, recorded July 3rd, 1981. And it was the first meeting of Art Pepper and pianist Duke Jordan, who had spent some time in, uh, in Copenhagen. And... Uh, it was decided that they uh, they they play together, and Art would use his regular uh, bassist and drummer, who of course was uh, David Williams on bass, and Carl Burnett on drums. And we heard a, a thing, a basic blues entitled "Blues Montmartre." Art Pepper, one of the most individual and intense voices of the alto saxophone, and I love his. Uh, his playing from his uh, later period, uh, especially, it's uh, he, he was a gentleman who played for his life, and uh, I like that in any musician. Art Pepper. I was very happy to uh, have been uh, a friend of his over the years and uh, great influence on uh, on my own music as well. Art Pepper. All right, that's it for the jazz show this evening. I hope you uh, enjoyed the music. We have uh, all kinds of things coming up. Next week on the jazz feature, uh, 
is an an album that uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think anybody's heard. As a matter of fact, uh, this this is really um, a live performance by the what I think is the last great band that was put together by Charles Mingus. And it features uh, Jack Walrath on trumpet, who is still with us, and the great late George Adams on tenor saxophone. Don Pullen uh, performs as well. And, of course, Mr. Mingus on bass and his best friend and ace drummer, Danny Richmond. So that particular band, they recorded a couple of very fine uh, studio albums on Atlantic Records called Changes 1 and Changes 2, that particular band. But this is going to be live. And it was done about a year after these recordings, just before Don Pullen left the band. And uh, the the sound of that band was uh, intact. And these are great performances. Um done before a live audience, so the music is more spontaneous, more loose, all that sort of stuff, and uh, everyone gets a chance to, of course, uh, speak their piece, and as I said, this is uh, what I believe to be Charles Mingus's last great band before the um, disease overtook his uh, body and, of course, robbed us of uh, one of the most creative and uh, most interesting jazz musicians, Charles Mingus. So that's going to be our jazz feature next week, the music of Mr. Mingus. So I hope that you can uh, join us, and we shall be here on CITR 101.9, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam territory, right here at UBC. We're also on the web, of course, citr.ca. This has been another edition of The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and we'll see you in seven days' time. Take care, and, uh, well, if the weather's good, enjoy it. See you later. Bye-bye. Do-ba-dee-oo-doo-wee Ba-do-ba-dee-oo-doo-wee